Hi everyone, welcome to the Sacred Musings podcast with me, Phil Saker. It's episode 83 today, it is the 18th of May 23, and today we're thinking about how we can pass freedom on to the next generation. So welcome to the podcast today, everyone. We're looking at Os Guinness's book again, The Magna Carta of Humanity, coming towards the end now. And I think this may actually be the, the last chapter that I look at on the podcast. I'm not sure. There are two more chapters which are about the importance of forgiveness and um, and freedom. But I think we do talk quite a lot about that on the podcast already. Um, and I've talked quite a bit about that. So and maybe come back to that at a later date. I'll have a think about that. But next week, I'll probably move on to something else. So if there's anything that you want to look at on the podcast, if there's anything which you think would be interesting, I think, oh, yeah, I think Phil should look at that. Or, you know, I'd really be interested to hear about that. Then please do uh, do let me know in the comments or on Telegram or email me through at sacredmusingspod at gmail.com. Any of those are um, welcome and I'd love to, to hear from you. Um, so yeah we're going to come on to that in a minute it's about passing freedom on but before we get there I'm just going to recommend one or two uh, links and, and things that I've read uh, this week or one thing I've written actually uh, in this last week so the first thing is in the Critic magazine called Cosmetic Democracy and it is published by Dr Radomir Tilecote. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right probably not but he basically is arguing that we need to uh, to take back democracy. He said that with Brexit, we took back our sovereignty, but now we need to take back our, our constitution, our democracy, because democracy has become undermined. So let me quote you a little bit from the article which where he sort of um, makes the case for cosmetic democracy. So an observation. Over the last generation... British democracy has become removed from the control of the electorate, the demos, with decision-making ability taken from the people they elect and placed in the hands of so-called experts, largely civil servants and quangocrats who have, in turn, developed the means never to have to answer to the people's elected representatives for their actions. The system that is replacing democracy in our country is, I suggest, best called cosmetic democracy, In this system, the people are permitted to elect leaders, but the blob intends these leaders only to serve as performing frontmen, expected to style the policies that emerge as conservative. This is what I mean by conservatism as drift. So, yeah, I thought that was a really uh, interesting article and um, lots to to, to think about. it just seemed to me like this has been the case that we live in a democracy but that democracy is being increasingly undermined and it it seems like you know democracy is is only democracy when it gets the right answers for the politicians or for the blob perhaps more more accurately i think there are some politicians who genuinely do want to serve the people but unfortunately they are getting fewer and, and far between um so yeah do have a look at that um, another thing to uh, to recommend this week, um, something which if you follow my blog you will have seen, but I just wrote an article um, last week about safeguarding. I just called more safeguarding is not the answer. And I wrote this on the back of, well, it, it's it's not just about what happened with Mike Pilavachi. So you may have seen Mike Pilavachi was the um, uh, sort of a, one of the, the 
chief people who started or co-started a church called Soul Survivor. And then that developed a conference which ran from the early 1990s through till um, just before COVID. And he uh, was very influential in certain church circles, sort of Pentecostal charismatic circles particularly. And a lot of younger people um, went on the Soul Survivor um you know, um, say conferences. That's not the right word, but the events. You know, the week, the week long events. I went, I went actually when I was a student a couple of times. So you know, it's been very influential in the, U- the British evangelical scene. And um, he has stepped down because of safeguarding allegations that were made against him. Now, um, it seems like everyone has been calling for more and more safeguarding in order to combat this. And I think that that's actually not going to make the church more safe. It's not going to be the answer. I think what we need is to return to the gospel message. And that's the problem that not not that the church it doesn't have good enough safeguarding procedures, but that we don't have people who are committed enough to the gospel. And I've this is kind of what I've written in there but it seems like every part of the church at the moment is calling for more safeguarding you know it's not just the, the parts of the church that would be you know inverted commas liberal or anything like that it seems ev- everyone is doing this and i think that's very worrying about the state of the church so have a read of of what i wrote if that kind of thing interests you but i will say that my i think safeguarding i've come to believe um, over the last few years that safeguarding is the biggest threat to the church actually because it is distracting from what the church really needs and it's actually almost working against um, in fact I think it is working against what the church really needs at the moment which is not a concern with safety but doing what is right in fact actually um, just yesterday um, I've been reading through Francis Schaeffer's book uh, of Publish of his sermons called No Little People. It's a collection of um, 16 of his sermons. And the one that I read yesterday was the Lord's work in the Lord's way. That's what God blesses. It's not through our own strength or through good processes and procedures, but in the Lord's way, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to be focusing on as a church, the Lord's work in the Lord's way. That's really important. Um, okay. Oh yes, one thing I, I just remembered. Yes, just as I was mentioning about term um, conservatism and um, the the democracy article. One thing which you might be interested in: the National Conservatism Conference has been happening this week, and the talks are available on YouTube. You might be interested in in some of those. Um, there were a couple actually which aren't which I heard were good, which I would really like to watch, but which I haven't uh, I haven't seen come up on YouTube. I think one by Sebastian Milbank, uh, particularly talking about faith and the importance of faith uh, when it comes to um, our country. So um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to, um, to to see if that comes up, actually. It'd be really great. But do have a look. I think the, they're all on YouTube, so you might like to have a look at that as well. The final thing I wanted to mention is just something a little bit different, really. It's the poem by Arthur Hugh Clough called Say Not the Struggle, Nought Availeth. And this was, um, I think, referenced or, or, or quoted a little part of in the uh one of the Daily Skeptic articles a couple of days ago. 
Um, and I, I've come across this poem before, but I think it's it's wonderful. I believe Arthur uh, was a, uh, I think he worked for Florence Nightingale. So it's, you know, it's, it's from some time ago, but I think it comes from very much, it's not a Christian poem, but I think it comes very much from a Christian perspective. And it's only a short poem. Uh, let me just read it out um, for us. Say not the struggle naught availeth, the labour and the wounds are vain. The enemy faints not, nor faileth, and as things have been, they remain. If hopes were dupes, fears may be liars. It may be, in yon smoke concealed, your comrades chase e'en now the flyers, and but for you possess the field. For while the tired waves vainly breaking seem here no painful inch to gain, far back through creeks and inlets making, comes silent flooding in the main. And not by eastern windows only, when daylight comes, comes in the light. In front the, sign, uh, the sun climbs slow, how slowly, but westward, look, the land is bright. I think that's a lovely poem, and um, it, it's an encouraging poem, saying, don't say that the struggle for righteousness and for good and against evil, all of those things, don't say the struggle doesn't do anything that it's, it's you know, naught availeth, that it, it's pointless. Um, say, actually, you know, if, if, these, if we were duped by these hopes, the fears that we have may also be liars. And, you know, that's, that's the thing, that the fears we have may be liars too. And that, um, you know, it may be that when the, the smoke clears, that our colleagues will be seen to have won. It may be just our corner where we see these things. And um, he said... Look, look at the, the sea, you know, it, it says, while the, the waves, they don't seem to gain an inch, um, that actually way back, you know, through crooks and inlets, the, it's, the tide is coming in, it's come flooding in, and it will eventually come in. And um, when daylight comes in, it doesn't just come in through the eastern windows. You know, you see the sun rising slowly, but then if you look behind in the other direction, you see that the land is bright. And I thought, wow, that's such a, a powerful image of the way that light dawns, which is it may seem slow, it may seem painful, but you know, say not the struggle naught availeth, that there is always hope. And that's a good message, I think, for us to be uh, to be going on with. So with that said, let's move on to think about children and about passing freedom on to the next generation. So we are looking at chapter six of Osgenis's book today, and that is about how we pass freedom on to the next generation. I mean, it's not just about children, but it is about, I guess, how we inculcate uh, these values of freedom in society, because that's really important. And I just wanted to start before we get on to looking at the uh, what he had to say. I just wanted to start by thinking about why it is that education is so important. And one reason it is important is because it's where our opponents are active at the moment. And I say our opponents, but you know, I, you know what I'm talking about, the, the woke, the people who are trying to indoctrinate 
our uh, children, the children of our society, in a in a particular worldview, which is very different to the one which we may have grown up in, which we inherited in the Western world. Um, and the woke, for for want of a better word, that's what I'll, I'll call them for now. Just lump them all in together. They know the uh, the primary importance of education in changing society. Now they recognised long ago how important it was to get into schools, colleges, universities to change the ideas so that that will then shape society. Let me quote you a bit from an article that was written um, just over a year ago now, February 22, and this is by a woman called Emily Schroeder uh, in the Critic magazine called Why I Quit Teacher Training. And I believe I actually quoted this at the time, but I think it's worth repeating. Sometimes I wonder how many children I would have traumatised had I not quit my PGCE. I think of one assignment in particular, which marked the trainee teacher on how well he, she, they champion transgenderism in his, her, their classrooms. We cannot change the laws, the lecturer told his disciples, but we can control what happens in our classrooms. I think that's chilling to think that teachers are being trained now to change the world through changing minds through basically through indoctrination that's that's the long and the short of it it is about indoctrination and they want to shape society there is an agenda you know they want to to shape society and so you know that i think if our opponents recognize the importance of education then we too need to recognize the importance of education and if you are someone who perhaps has been ambivalent about this then I hope that this will convince you how necessary it is that we be focused on what is happening to to children and just before we move on if you are interested in looking at how we got here as a society how we got to the point of you know critical race theory being the dominant narrative in schools and in Westminster and media and so on and so forth then there are a couple of books which I can highly recommend uh, one of them is called That Hideous Strength by Melvin Tinker a deeper look at how the West was lost so uh, Melvin Tinker who sadly died a couple of years ago this was actually the last book that he published um, and if, in case you're wondering, yes, it is named intentionally the same as the novel by C.S. Lewis. Um, but he is looking at the, the history of uh, Marxism, cultural Marxism, the Frankfurt School and so on, and how uh, these things have, have kind of been intentionally done. And um, looking at that from a theological, sort of from a Christian perspective as well. It's a good read and it's very uh, insightful and helpful. So that hideous strength by Melvin Tinker. Uh, the there is that I, it's the updated version which I I read. Uh, there was a, a version I think a couple of years before, and then he updated it and expanded it. So uh, get the expanded version. Another book is Strange New World by Carl Truman, and this is again um, I think I mentioned this on the podcast that I was reading it a couple of weeks ago, but um, I read it and it's very good. It, it's basically a a more precise sort of cut down version of his magnum opus the rise and triumph of the modern self which runs to six or seven hundred pages so you know 
most people don't have the time to read six, seven hundred page works. So this is a shorter, abridged version of, of that. And he kind of distills it and puts it into a form which is more manageable. And again, tracing through the history of the ideas that we that we've ended up with now, where we can well, I say we, but where a lot of people seem to believe that a man can actually become a woman if that's what they feel inside. Uh, it's illogical, yes, but it has a history. And he goes through the history of how these ideas came to be and, and how our sexuality is now the defining thing. And, and if you disagree with that, then you're disagreeing with someone's identity. So, yeah, two books, really helpful. Do have a look at uh, That Hideous Strength by Melvin Tinker and Strange New World by Carl Truman. They really help to explain how we've got to where we are and how education and ideas have been a big part of that. So I hope that helps to set the scene for why education matters. So let me um, quote now from uh, from the book, from the Magna, Magna Carta of Humanity, about why education matters. And here he's actually quoting Rabbi Sachs. If any change in the human condition takes longer than a generation, education becomes fundamental. So what he's saying is that there is a every society has a vision of where it has been come from and where it is going and it's kind of like the big story that it tells about itself you know we as a society this is our history this is our future or, or where we want our future to be and traditionally of course this has been from within the judeo-christian view that um, you know whatever our history is that yes, there have been things which are bad in our history, things are bad in the present, but we want to put those right and we want to, you know, to grow, to shape our society in ways of righteousness and justice and, and all of those kind of things. Um, but it is rooted in history. You know, it's like this has happened and this is where we are and this is where we're going. And it's it's interesting that the woke, again, you know, lumping them all together, for want of a better word, let's call them the woke, are so keen to rewrite history. We'll come back to this in a second. But if you look at, there is, a, I think, a, um, an, a movement going on in America trying to rewrite the history of America so that it wasn't in 1776 with the revolution and constitution and so on, but it was when the first slaves were arrived in America. That was the moment that it began. And so they're trying to rewrite uh, the history of America and um, there are people trying to rewrite the history of the western world there are people in Britain who want to uh, rewrite our history as well or ignore it so that's a big thing that they that they do So how does education sustain freedom? Well, let me read this quote here. This is um, a slightly longer quote, um, but just looking at how education ties us into the past, the present and the future. And this is what he says. On the one hand, civic education sustains freedom by looking back. In doing so, it inducts each next generation into the understanding of who they are through the understanding of who their parents and ancestors have been, for better or worse. Transmission is therefore the key to ongoing identity. On the other hand, 
Civic education sustains freedom by looking forward. It inspires each next generation to strive towards the ideals that remain to be reached and the work that remains to be accomplished. Transmission is therefore the key to the ongoing aspirations and ambitions that fuel free people's progress from generation to generation. The task of freedom is always unfinished and healthy transmission keeps its agents committed and courageous. There we go, the task of freedom is always unfinished. So what we need to do is transmit to the next generation who we are, where we come from and where we're going. That is our, um, if we don't do that, then we're not going to, uh, they're going to be rootless. And it is so important to have those those roots of who you are, where you come from and where you are going. Otherwise, you end up as a as an orphan, if you like. And, and that makes a big thing. It's interesting how that you see that play out in in families. You know, you've got you've had um in the last few years, you've had a real kind of um, revival of interest in uh, the, these sort of history programs of looking at your family history. You know, who do you think you are? Um, that program and other other such things and, and family trees and so on. And, you know, people want to know who they are. People are interested in learning who their ancestors were and thinking about who they are as a, as a result of that. Because it gives you a sense of identity. And by contrast, you know, um, I know people who have been uh, adopted and it, it makes a big difference to you. You know, if you don't know who your parents are, you don't know what your history is. And sadly, this is one of those things where I think in our society, we are finding more and more people rootless in all senses of the word. You know, that it is about uh just not knowing who you are, not knowing where you're going or any of those things. That's so important. So transmission of who we are, where we come from, where we're going, that's fundamental to to freedom. And that the reason is because freedom exists in our hearts. And there's a, a wonderful quote here from a judge, an American judge called Judge Learned Hand. I mean, honestly, Judge, that is his that was his real name. Something um I can't remember what his first name was, but Learned Hand was his his actual name. Uh, I mean he was just born for it, wasn't he, really? Um but this is what he said. This is about the time of the Second World War. Liberty lies in the hearts of men and women. When it dies there, no constitution, no law, no court can save it. No constitution, no law, no court can even do much to help it. Liberty lies in the hearts of men and women, and when it dies there, there is nothing that can do much to help it. And that's what we've seen, I think, over the last three years when it comes to COVID and when it comes to surrendering our freedom. People have just given in and done it. And I think partly that's because it was because the idea of freedom has died, that people don't recognise. Uh, how important it is and don't think that it's something which is worth fighting for and saving even for a, a reason such as a pandemic uh, or a, and a you know yeah we won't get into that now um but osgenis goes on to say freedom begins and ends in the human heart in the hearts of citizens and children 
and all attempts to find and fulfil it elsewhere are doomed to fail. This is the thing, we, you know, freedom is not just granted on a plate. You don't just have freedom, you are given it and the idea of freedom has to be there. That if we don't have the idea of freedom, sooner or later we are going to lose it. And I think that's what we are seeing, isn't it? That as freedom has, the, the idea of freedom has been eroded in Western civilization. So the actual freedom that we enjoy has been eroded too. And that's because these ideas of freedom have been replaced by other ideas such as safety um, and, and other things which we've looked at on the podcast over the, over the, the months. Um, so, yeah, freedom is so important and that needs to be the idea of freedom needs to be put there. You know, it's not just it's not just, you know, there we go, freedom. But you, you need to put that idea there. And this is where teaching comes in, that the, the teachers, you know, children need to be taught the values of freedom. They need to be taught why it's important. They need to be taught the, the arguments and the, the um, you know, the case for freedom. And we need not just teachers who are capable of presenting the intellectual case, but teachers who actually believe in it and who live that. And this is something which um, I, I found quite profound, actually. Um, he's quoting here from uh, Rabbi Heschel. What we need more than anything is not textbooks, but text people. It is the personality of the teacher which is the text the pupils read, the text they will never forget. And I thought that was really um, an insightful thing as well that children learn as much from their teachers about how to be as they do, you know, the actual ideas that they teach. And if a teacher teaches freedom but doesn't live and believe in those things, then that's going to come across. And so what we need is we need a, a generation of, of teachers who actually believe in freedom and who believe in these ideas and that will be communicated to the children you know so it's it's important to uh, when we we talk about teaching children not just about thinking about ideas but thinking about people and thinking about people who we we trust to actually communicate that to the next generation i'm um i have um a number of friends who are who are teachers and you know i think they have a, an immensely hard job especially in the world that we live in uh, at the moment um, but, you know, I think it's such an important job, you know, to actually train that next generation, not in just in the ideas, but in who you are uh, as well. So at this point, um, uh, Osgenis quotes from Edmund Burke. And um, he, Edmund Burke, this was um, from a letter to a member of the National Assembly, but it's reflecting on the French Revolution. And I thought again here, um, this says something really uh, important about teaching freedom to children, which we sort of covered a little bit last week. But let me just quote from this, from, from Edmund Burke. I doubt very much indeed whether France is at all right for liberty on any standard. Men are qualified for civil liberty in exact proportion to their disposition to put moral chains upon their appetites, in proportion as their love to justice is above their rapacity in proportion as their soundness and sobriety of understanding is above their vanity and presumption, 
in proportion as they are more disposed to listen to the counsels of the wise and good in preference to the flattery of knaves. Society cannot exist unless a controlling power upon will and appetite be placed somewhere, and the less of it there is within, the more there must be without. It is ordained in the internal constitution of things that men of intemperate minds cannot be free. Their passions form their fetters. Now, I think this ties in with what we were saying about covenant and things that we were saying previously, that freedom cannot be absolute. Freedom has to go with responsibility. So what we need to do when it comes to teaching the idea of freedom is we must therefore teach these things, that freedom comes with responsibilities and duties, and that to be truly free together, we have to live and act uh, with a concern for other people you know we can't just be selfish and this is what you know the judeo-christian heritage that we have does it, it does not just teach freedom it teaches um you know the the law the moral law the ten commandments which is how we live freely uh, together and this is why it's so important again when it comes to teaching freedom to children that we don't just teach freedom as a a value isolated from everything else but we teach in context of how we live freely about those moral values that we need to have to look out for one another and uh, and you know to love one, love god love one another and that's how we live in freedom and i think that the point is that's made is a very good one and i was going to sort of picks up on this afterwards which is that there must be a power to control our appetites and our, our wills. And if we don't self-control, then that power will be imposed. And that leads to the surveillance state. You know, it leads to security cameras, the police, increasing government powers and so on. Because things will get out of hand if we do not put a, a sort of limit on ourselves. If we do not do what is right ourselves, then it will be imposed upon us and that will not be, will not be free. So it's important to teach children at from a young age what it means to live with responsibilities to others, what it means to live freely with responsibility. So what principles are there for teaching freedom? Uh, there are a couple that he, he draws out, um, which is... One, the insistent emphasis on history um, in contradiction to the year zero mentality of the revolutionaries. So this is what they did in, in France in the French Revolution, that they, um, they basically erased their history and they said nothing that's happened in the past matters anymore. All that matters now is the revolution, the ideas of the revolution, and we are going to throw everything away. It all goes in the bin, everything that happens in the past. This is now year one. And um, it's the new ideas. And this is what revolutions have done throughout history, that they have thrown away the past and said, you know, this is year one or year zero, whatever it is, and that we are just going to ditch our traditions, our history. We're not going to say we are reinventing ourselves, if you like. We are coming up with something completely new and unprecedented. We are reinventing ourselves and everything that was in the past is gone. And it's a, it's a way of power and control, really, isn't it? By erasing history and saying, 
this is not who we are anymore but we are um, we are different and we say who we are now it's a, it's a power thing um there's um there was a speech which Emma Webb gave called against year zero at the national conservatism conference uh, a few days ago which um I saw on uh, YouTube uh, yesterday and you might like to have a look at that that's in the link of the um all the national conservatism conference um playlist so I will put that down below um so you might like to have a look at that about um, the this year zero thinking which seems to be going on but just about ditching all of our traditions all of our history and saying we can't do that now that's why it's important to pass on history in uh, to our children especially just have that sense of who we are as a people the second thing is that all shall be included and uh, osgenis makes the point that the covenant or the constitution uh, and the laws were not for lawyers alone but for everyone that everyone had an ownership of it and that is something that was fundamental to the Sinai covenant which is that God spoke the laws to the whole people it wasn't just for Moses or for the tribal leaders uh, like we saw last week but the the covenant was for everyone for all of the people of Israel and I think that is again something which we've lost that uh, most people I think in the country although we may you know like to watch the coronation and, and so on you know but I don't think people buy into it in the same way it's not you know we we together the people are you know what there's a sense of us if you like there is no sense of us now in the same way as there would have been and that's many reasons that that has happened um, but part of the reason is the decline of this covenant understanding this idea that we are not just you know people pursuing our own path strangers uh, but we are together a people and that has been very much eroded and um, that that's something that we need to recover as well and we need to teach to the next generation the final thing that osginis says in this chapter is a need for renewal so he says everything from our bodies to our cars and our cities either runs down or breaks down so too does freedom both humility and wisdom therefore require a realism that takes renewal seriously if freedom is to be sustained so freedom is something which does break down as anything does and uh, do you remember a few weeks ago we looked at the chapter where he said freedom itself there is a paradox of freedom where freedom actually leads to a lack of freedom or it can lead to a lack of freedom uh, but there is another aspect to this as well which is uh, he says you know, when is it that things break down that freedom breaks down and he says um, the real challenge is not poverty but affluence not slavery but freedom not homelessness but home and then quotes rabbi Sachs, who says civilizations begin to die when they forget the politics of free societies depend on the handing on of memory so there are two things there when freedom begins to die it's when we get too comfortable and i think that has very much happened through the the latter part of the 20th century into the 21st that all of the technological advances have made our lives so comfortable um, that we are you know we, we don't really care about freedom because we're we're fed 
we've got the things that we need we have material possessions you know we don't we feel like we don't need anything we, we're not struggling with life in that sense so we don't need to think about freedom i think that's why people didn't fight when it came to freedom in during covid because you know that uh, they were too comfortable and of course you know if the government gives you money uh, puts you on furlough and, and all of those things i mean that just adds to it doesn't it um and also freedom dies when people forget this is why it's so important to remember that i think a lot of people have you know we, we have remembrance day every year when we remember the people who who died uh, during the wars all of those who died for our country but do we really remember the freedom that they were fighting for do we really remember what it was that they were fighting against you know the fascism of of the nazis for example do we really think about that and how that how that happened and if you think about the way that people um looked at vaccine mandates and, and so on you think well have we really remembered the lessons of history there and uh, that's something again which um you know is so important and i put a picture up there if you're watching on youtube you'll see i put a picture there of the coronation because this is something that really hit me with the coronation that you know we do need renewal that although all of the words were there in the coronation many of the words were good as i said last week i just felt they were so hollow in that they were being said without really believing them without really understanding what they meant even by the archbishop of canterbury and that's where we are that the words are there but we need to we need a renewal of the belief in what they mean and in understanding and uh, that can happen and i hope that that will happen but that's what we need we need a renewal that freedom has so run down it's virtually died at the moment and so we need to renew uh, our belief and understanding and that a big part of that will be when we think about how we pass that on to the next generation so what lessons can we learn from this i put down three things do let me know what other things that you think are helpful as well leave a comment leave a message on telegram or, or uh, email me through uh, but the first thing is to make a priority of being involved in education wherever possible um, maybe in school governance in youth and children's groups and so on there are opportunities for anyone to be involved that you don't have to be a parent to be a school governor for example um, churches often run uh, youth groups and you can get involved in those so there are lots of ways of being involved with young people and with with children and if you have the opportunity then that's a really really important and, and good thing to be doing that ministry to children and to young people is not lesser work but it's so important especially at the moment when they hear so many harmful things from school and from the media uh, and so on uh, you just get getting you know relating to our young people to our children and help them to understand the, the good ways a second thing is take an interest in what children around you are learning um kind of similar to that really but we've there are children i'm sure around all of us in that maybe our own children or grandchildren or maybe nieces and nephews or um, maybe neighbors or whatever you know i'm sure that uh, we all have those opportunities you know how can we be using those opportunities to to take an interest and to help children to actually understand these bigger ideas and that's not 
necessarily going to be easy um, if they're not children we have responsibility for. But, you know, perhaps there are things, you know, we can pray about things that we can say, things that we can do, um, stories that we can tell and so on. You know, just thinking about how we can be, um, you know, involved in what children around us are learning and taking on board. And perhaps, you know, just asking them what they've been learning at school and, you know, about some of these, having a conversation with them about some of these issues, especially as they get older. You know, they're often quite open to talking about those things. Uh, Third thing, final thing. Learn about our freedoms in cultural and national history and pass that on. Something which I think the coronation has brought out is the fact that our cultural traditions in this country are steeped in Christianity. That we have a thousand years of history in the United Kingdom and that history is very much built on the Christian faith. And all we really need to do is to learn about that history and then, you know, we can pass that on. So that's the the third thing that I I, I suggested, which is just really seeking to learn about about these things, where our freedom comes from, um, educating ourselves and then passing that on and helping others to pass that on too. So that's what I've got to say. Do let me know any thoughts that you've got as well. Um, Add that in. Uh, But let's move on now and uh, finish the podcast by looking at a reflection from the Bible. And so we're going to finish the podcast today by looking at Psalm 112. I think I may have had this psalm once before on the podcast, but um, it's it's a great psalm. And um, I mean, many of the psalms do say uh, similar, similar uh, things, but um, there are obviously nuances and kind of particularities to all of them. But yeah, this I read this. I just read this the other day and I thought I was encouraged by it. And I hope that you will be, too. So let me read it for a psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honour. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. I think this is a real psalm that speaks to us, uh, especially in the current moment, which is that what we need to do, it's it's so easy, I think, to look around the world and just be um, disgusted with the state of it, disappointed and worried and fearful about it all about the the what the the wicked um people you know those who want to just impose a greater a more authoritarian agenda are coming to do but 
what we need to do rather than worrying is actually to fear the Lord and to find delight in his commands. So we commit to following him just in the day-to-day things that we need to do. And that's where we find God's blessing. And it says, um, I love this, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Even in darkness, light dawns. And that's a wonderful promise that, you know, it doesn't matter if the world is dark, that we just need to focus on doing what is right, what is um, compassionate and righteous and uh, and generous. And um, it says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will have no fear of bad news. I, Unfortunately, and I'm, I'm sure that many people are like this, that this is something that I struggle with. Because when it comes to bad news, that I do fear bad news sometimes. And I don't like to, to hear it. But I shouldn't be like that. You know, we should be steadfast, trusting in the Lord. We should have no fear. And trust, it says in the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. You know, that there will come a day when we will be vindicated. There will come a day when those who trust the Lord will be vindicated. And that uh, it there will be, you know, the, 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 the wicked will not win in the end. Whatever happens, they will come to nothing. As it says, they will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. In the end, it is those who fear the Lord, who just do good where they have the opportunity, who who love God, who love others, who are generous, gracious and compassionate. They are the ones who God will bless. And that's something which I think at the moment is a message that we need to hear that it's an encouragement to not worry ourselves about what may be happening in the world that yes there are a lot of worrying things going on and we need to we do need to fight against injustice we need to speak out against it where we can but at the end of the day what God really wants from us is just that personal walking with him uh, fearing him day by day you know, loving him and um, acting with righteousness and with um, compassion, with grace, generosity, all of those things, and looking after the poor, um, all of those things. You know, that's what God wants us to be doing, and that is what will win in the end. That it's not right to kind of to to use the weapons of the world to fight. We we fight with different weapons. We fight with the weapon of, of goodness and with love. And that is what will win in the end. Even though it may seem small, that is what will win in the end. And that's the the weapon that God has chosen to use. Um, So, yeah, I think this is a a great psalm, an encouraging one. uh, Psalm 112. And I hope that that's an encouragement to you as it was to me um, today. So let's finish with a prayer now and ask that God would help us, especially perhaps in praying for the children who we know, our local schools and so on, and praying that um, God would help us to, to do as the psalm says, to trust in him, not to fear. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray, as we've been thinking about today, passing faith on to the next generation. We pray, Lord, for um, children and young people who are in our care, or those known to us, and pray for your blessing upon them. We pray for local schools, 
and uh, pray Lord that they may be built on what is right and what is good and pass on these values that you've given us um, to to pass on Lord to the next generation and we pray that this idea of, of freedom the idea of um, living in, in your ways will not die out but would be recovered and renewed for another generation and uh, we pray Heavenly Father as we've been reading in in this psalm we just pray that you would grant us uh, peace and grant us trust in you even as we look at the darkness in the world we pray that you would help us to remember that light dawns for uh, the upright and we pray that you would give us um, the grace to, to trust that and to trust in you over these uh, this coming week and we ask this in Jesus' name amen well thanks so much for watching and listening to this today everyone if you want to uh, help me out then uh, don't forget to uh, click the like button down below if you're on youtube and subscribe if you're on the audio podcast then if you could leave me a rating or even a review that would be really helpful too you can do that on um, apple Podcasts. you can probably do that on others as well so um yeah um do uh, that'd be really kind of you there's also a buy me a coffee link as well if you'd like to support me financially and um yeah uh, do do leave a comment let me know on telegram or email me through sacredmusingspod at gmail.com if you want to get in touch so thanks so much everyone god bless i look forward to seeing you soon in the meantime um yeah god bless